right, welcome to Fermented Faith. Uh, I'm Jordan, here with Chad, and we're going to do another sermon follow-up. Uh, this one's kind of Chad's idea after the sermon. I think you might have been more excited about this sermon than I was. Uh, <laughs> you had a lot of notes, and uh, and you're right, we did just scratch the surface of some really big ideas that uh, can be applied in a lot of um, more specific and helpful ways, I think, and so that's what we're going to do. So uh, the sermon was... Um, Prompted by John 3, but really focused on Numbers 21 and Genesis 3 and Romans 14 and Matthew 6 and then back to John 3. And so we looked at kind of the um, unbelief as the root of all sin and um, started with like, why did God get so angry that people were grumbling in the desert about being tired of the food and tired of the journey and that kind of thing? Um I mean, sending snakes is pretty harsh. So, my my idea, my 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 thought was, you know, I think the Bible is saying like it's unbelief is the issue there. Like, like he he had done all that he had done for them to bring them to this place of like trusting him, trusting mm-hmm. that he would pr- provide and that he was better. And in that moment, they're clearly not believing that. And so, uh, asked the question, or I, I said like I think through this study we can discover the key to not sinning, like to stop stopping sin and so in our life. And so that's a pretty bold statement. I think that's where um, we definitely just scratched the surface or laid some groundwork. So we'll go a little bit deeper. So what were your thoughts, man? Yeah, so like you said, that that's a super bold statement. It's, it's thought-provoking to say the least. And so I think sometimes when we, when we look at the church, universal, especially here in America, like, we get a little uncomfortable when we talk about what does holy living look like? What does it look like to live in victory over sin? Yeah. And so we kind of have this posture of like, well, I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace. So I'm going right. to sin and like it's okay, but Jesus Jesus loves me, he forgave me, and so you know, real transformation that's for the super Christians, right? What what does that have to do with me? Yeah. And so we kind of, in a lot of ways, excuse our sin. Yeah. And so, like, I just think that's really... And we excuse our sin. I'm just thinking about it as you're saying that. that Different tribes and denominations and mm-hmm. whatever have their different approaches to this. Mm-hmm. But each of them, each of us, has our own way of excusing and tolerating our particular sin that's more palatable. Right. Trendy or whatever. <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, we could we could go around, but I mean, there's the traditional churches. Uh, we pick on Baptist a lot because um, we are one. We are Baptist, um, have been, and still are to some degree. Um, we would say Baptist in disguise. Somebody said, somebody asked us like, is that not a denominational <laughs> thing? Is that really just being Baptist in disguise? We do affiliate with the Southern Baptist Convention for uh, the the missions uh, cooperative program primarily, but. Um, but yeah, we, we would agree with the Baptist faith and Methodist. But a lot of those um, Baptist traditional churches, you know, suit wearing, they have their sins that can't be tolerated, you know, like wearing a hat in a church or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then nobody was going to talk about, you know, the increasing waistlines from the <laughs> buffet lines <laughs> immediately after <laughs> church, right? You know? Yep. Um, and, and that's that's uh, sort of a lighthearted example, but then you you get into a church like ours that's a little that's that's more, um, you know, inclined to push against those things, call out legalism, 
um, be okay with Christian liberty around alcohol and those sorts of things. But then we get people that are licentious and that are okay mm-hmm. with blurring those lines of alcohol consumption or, you know, a, a little free with their, their language and, and those sorts of things. And so, yeah, we, we like to pick out sins we, sins we don't like and, and move away from them and feel better about being better than those other people, but then we still tolerate. Yeah. We, it's just this horizontal comparison of, of sin. And in reality, we're not rooting out the root of sin and pursuing mm-hmm. holiness. We're just, so that's sort of a side note, but yeah, I think we do excuse our sin and we tolerate yeah, based on our mm-hmm. culture and those sorts of things. Yeah. I would say another element too is like that, the fear of being self-righteous, like that yeah. if we're, if we're looking at our sin, we're trying to, to rid it. Like, are we getting to a, a point, a posture of saying like, ah, oh, I'm better. Right. Uh, and so I think that's, that's another aspect of it. But so like for me, I want, I want to give you the room we always make we always make make the joke that you know you cram you know uh, what two hours into yeah. an hour talk a so, lot talk uh, fast so like I, w- I want to really open this up because it is bold like what do you mean by can we avoid sinning like what what is our posture towards that what does that that really look like just from a ten thousand foot perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think practically, I mean, it's it's easy to start and say, like, obviously, we know we're not going to stop sinning and become perfect until we are glorified right. with Jesus. And so, like, I know that, and I'm not, and I think sometimes that's where we stop. We go, well, since we're not, I'm not going to bother too much. But, mm-hmm. and I think when, we, when we're thinking about sin from a, management standpoint of like, well, I've got this sin and this sin and this, sin, and it feels overwhelming. And so we kind of have to pick our biggest ones, but then we're going to have to tolerate some. And so that's just the wrong perspective. And so that's why I really wanted to let John three take us on that journey Sunday morning, because I think it does connect a lot of biblical dots of what is the Bible actually concerned about when it's, when it's talking about sin. And, and, and that's why like that root uh, of sin is is so important to think through, and then you start to see, okay, can I stop sinning? Well, maybe that's not even the right question. Mm-hmm. Can I grow in my trust, my knowledge, my trust, my faith in the Lord, my relationship in the Lord so much? Can I grow in that to the to a degree that it, it's significantly? changes my transforms my life to where I sin less yeah Mm -hmm. and is that ultimately like that's what's going to be consummated when we're in Jesus's presence right right which will lead to no sin Mm -hmm. like I don't I don't this is not a fully formed thought but it's (laughs) it's not going to be the absence of temptation that -hmm. will make sin obsolete in heaven it will primarily be the presence of jesus Mm -hmm. is that heretical i've not thought that through i've just said that like in the moment i don't that's what i'm saying primarily i mean he is going to do away with sin but it it will primarily be the presence and of the glory of jesus that Mm -hmm. will overwhelm Mm -hmm. any 
hint of temptation and, and sin and that sort of thing. And so when our faith is consummated with sight, Jesus is there, we will have no lacking desires, mm-hmm. no longings that aren't met, and therefore no space for sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we'll have this fullness of life before us. So, got this kingdom already, but not yet. Mm-hmm. We should be pursuing that mm-hmm. in the meantime. And if we, but, and so, but that's a different starting point and and end point. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we say, okay, I'm a Christian, I have to be a good person. I have to stop doing these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> that's not wrong per se, but that's the wrong approach. Right. Well, so what I hear you saying, you have. Um, like the mindset is different, right? It's not, yep. our mindset shouldn't be sin avoidance. It should be a pursuit of holiness. Yeah. And when the pursuit of holiness is the focus, as we grow, as we are sanctified in Jesus, yeah. right, that that sin avoidance is going to occur naturally. But if we make the sin avoidance priority number one, yeah. right? That's when you get into the legalism. Yeah. That's when you get into excusing, uh, you know, when you fail. Yeah. And I think that's helpful from a, from a perspective and a starting and like a focus mm-hmm. standpoint. And it's also helpful for the practical fight standpoint too, mm-hmm. because knowing that's our objective is, is not to get so caught up that our eyes are down, you know, looking at this particular sin and this struggle in our life, and we don't ever lift our eyes up mm-hmm. to Jesus and what he's called us to, our greater purpose, well, that's going to cause issues. But then also, when we do have these entangling sins, these uh, sins that, that encumber us regularly, that we are struggling with, addiction, self-doubt, um, you know, gossip, um, you know, some of these sins that, that are pretty gripping. Mm-hmm you know, pornography, those substance, whatever. I think it's helpful in those moments too. So from a big standpoint, don't just focus on not being addicted. Focus on adoring Jesus, growing Mm -hmm. closer to Jesus, and that will loosen the grip on addiction. But also in those moments of struggle Mm -hmm. and when you have failed or when you're feeling really drawn. So both. So if you failed, then ask it retrospectively, what was I failing to believe about God that mm-hmm. led me to desire that sin and go ahead and go down that road? And then that can be helpful for you to think about the next time. And then when you are being tempted, you have a different dialogue going mm-hmm. on in your mind with your with the Spirit and a different prayer even that you can pray rather than Lord mm-hmm. help me don't help me not do it help me not do it it's Lord help me to believe you help me to believe not just believe in you but believe what you have said mm-hmm. about fill in the blank that you are enough that I you know that I can't that I am that I am more than a conqueror that I am victorious mm-hmm. in Jesus and so yes from a big pers- big picture perspective and but also from a, in the moment like it's helpful it, it's the difference between pruning fruit and attacking the root mm-hmm. pulling weeds you know if you're pulling weeds out of your garden whatever um, flower garden uh, you know most of us have done that to some degree with our parents or our own whatever the number one rule is you got to get the root 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what? It's going to come right back. Come right back. And so this is really the difference between that, I think, and that's mm-hmm. that's the focus shift. So, okay. So so given that, so what what does unbelief? How does that manifest itself in our sin? So we we kind of talked about that in big picture. You just kind of touched on that a little bit, yeah. like with addiction or what whatnot. So when you when we say that really our sin is a lack of belief in yeah. in Jesus in the gospel, what, what are we saying? Well, you want to you want to pick a specific sin? Sure. You want to name it? You, like. You just want to take an example? Because I, yeah. I, I so, think people can think that I'm going to pick the ones that I talk about a lot, which are pornography or whatever, but I think sure. you can apply it to well, anything. Let, let's talk about pornography then. Okay. So what is, what is when we, what's an unbelief? How, how does that manifest itself in, into pornography? Well, I, I, sorry, the allergies are killing me. So for all you listeners that are hearing me sniffle into the, the microphone, uh, I don't know if I'm getting older or what, but it is for real this year. I don't usually have huge allergy issues, but um, trying to keep it minimized. So Sunday I talked, I, I, I quoted um, R.C. Sproul um, talking about um, how really in those moments um, when we when we sin, we're not believing God because... Um, We we're choosing in that moment to believe that sinning will make me happier than not sinning. So let me, I just pulled it up and let me just read it. He says, we sin because we want to. We want to because we're looking for an increase in our happiness. And we figure if I do it the way that God says, then I'm going to somehow be cheated or deprived out of personal happiness. So when I think that sin will make me happy at that point, I simply don't believe what God says about it, which I think from most Christians is going to take you back to the imagery of the garden, mm-hmm. which is helpful to then overlay all over most of your sin. Like there's that moment of like, if you really drill into why am I desiring this? Why does this have such a grip on me? Mm-hmm. It, there is an inner dialogue of believing. Well, I, that will make me happy. Doing this, mm-hmm. looking at pornography, choosing to masturbate, choosing to, you know, engage it in some kind of sexual activity that is not with, uh, you know, a spouse. Um, that's what I need right now. And that's what will make me happy. Like God's holding out on you. Yeah. Which is what Satan whispers to Eve, mm-hmm. right? It's what we begin to believe in ourselves, and it's what he's whispering to us too. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like he doesn't actually have that many plays in his playbook. Mm-hmm. It's the same approach, just on repeat and contextualized to our moment mm-hmm. and our insecurities and our fears and our desires and our past. That's what he's really good at leveraging. The enemy mm-hmm. is really good at leveraging that to help us start to believe that God's holding out on us. So, in that moment of pornography, there there is this twisted um, combination of natural desires that God put there mm-hmm. that are being fired that that are like firing in our bodies, right? Chemical. I mean, all of that's real. 
Mm-hmm. God has put a sexual desire in our bodies that's supposed to be awakened in marriage and then utilized as a gift in marriage. But it is like many good gifts that God gives has been distorted by our sin and by the enemy and is, is just rampant in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging that there is addictive, like there's an addictive reality there that, that makes this sin battle more complicated. I don't want to say that it's not, uh, but at the, at the root, we're talking about the root. Mm-hmm. There is a, there in those moments we're choosing to believe that this sin will make me happy, which is fundamentally true. Like we're believe we're not believing God in that moment because right. God has said, like I've given you all that you need for life and holiness. And that's not only for married people mm-hmm. that are having, that are having sex, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is the ultimate human. That's a model of our flourishing. And he was celibate. Mm-hmm. Um, God has said sex is good, but not necessary for happiness right? Mm-hmm. It's good for marriage. It's good for procreation. It's good for intimacy, but it is not required for human flourishing and happiness. Now, our world has a different message. Mm-hmm. If you're not having sex, you're not happy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not having this type with this this type of person, whatever, like that that generates a whole lot of our, of right. our you know, consumer revenue and a whole lot of our culture is driven by that very thing right there. <laughs> to some really dark places. Mm-hmm. But for us in that moment, we're, we're choosing to believe the narrative of the enemy of the culture of our own flesh and not God, because God has said, no, like the way to real happiness, the way to true joy is through trusting in me is through holiness. And that I am enough. Mm-hmm. I am better than like the gift of sex is incredible. Mm-hmm. But it is it is there to actually point us to something greater, right? Right. And and so for us to say, yeah, but what I really believe is that this will make me happy in the moment, <clears throat> then we're not believing that God's promise, God's word, is really true. And then our conscience proves that for us afterward, right? Guilt, like, shame. Yeah, guilt, shame immediately mm-hmm. wash over. Even non-Christians will tell you that. Mm-hmm. You you hear it even in sitcoms or whatever that aren't, they don't have an in, you know, inkling of interest in teaching us about the Bible or the gospel, mm-hmm. but you'll hear them talk about the shame that comes from hookup culture and one-night stands and mm-hmm. giving themselves. Why? Because that's not how God meant for it to be used. And so so if, if we'll listen to what, you know, our moral conscience is even telling us this is true but in those moments man it, it's it's a real battle yeah okay so what about um, <coughs> what about our greed like if we're caught up in a rat race yeah trying to get more and more how is unbelief manifested there i'm putting you on the spot yeah, I mean that's another area that is so close and is, in, you know, probably the second biggest entanglement in our culture and our right. world. You know, money, mm-hmm. sex, and power are, mm-hmm. the, are the biggest draws, um, and, and are really driving the current of a lot of our of our mm-hmm. cultural issues. Um, and so yeah, when we talk about money, um, we always, we always try to make a point of the journey that God's not like poor and needs a, our donations like no no he wants our hearts 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the reason that Jesus, you know, says you can't love both God and money because there is a, there's a, such a close tie there, um, because we can begin to trust in it. So when you're talking about greed, like, yeah, we, we, we see things, you know, you, you see this played out in a couple of the commandments, right? You should mm-hmm. steal, uh, don't covet. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Well, God knows that's going to steal our joy. Like if we coveting particular, mm-hmm. What's that about? Well, we say often God doesn't give us laws to take from us. Mm-hmm. He's trying to lead us to life, right? Well, why does why does avoiding coveting lead to life? Well, because coveting will destroy you, yeah, <laughs> right? And so our good Father doesn't want that for us, and He has said, "Hey, what I have is enough for you." Like there is, um, I'll look up some scriptures in a moment, but like. It's and I ended my sermon saying like it's better to know God's provision in pro, in poverty, mm-hmm. right, than to have prosperity and never have any dependence on Him. Mm-hmm. You got to think about that, and and that sounds nice to say, but mm-hmm. if you're trying to like live that out, and you're talking about you're telling me it would be better for me to live in a, a less than house, like a like a not attractive house, drive not attractive cars, and you know really eat essentials, mm-hmm. but have a rich dependency on God. Do we actually believe that that would be better than to live like so and so? Most of us won't be so bold as to say we want to live like Jeff Bezos. Right, we've dismissed that as out of reach, and we would never be so vain to claim that that's our. But we would just like to be like the people, one or two tax brackets up from us. Well, I, I think we all have a little bit of Rockefeller in us. Like, how much would be enough? Exactly, just a little bit more, one dollar more. Would, that's right. That that would, I would feel fulfilled if I had just a little bit more. Right. So. Do we really believe that living in the the shack with a rich relationship with God is better and knowing his provision, knowing his, like, that that's better than having prosperity, mm-hmm. however you define that, having prosperity and yet never uh, having any dependence, dependence on him? Like, that's where that's where you get to the heart of it. And then mm-hmm. when you play that out practically, you're going, okay, what's driving me? to think that I need to make that next purchase Mm -hmm. or stay later at work at the cost of my family. Working hard's not wrong. Right. But you have to, you know, God, family, then work and and you have to prioritize it. And so you know when you you know when your 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 conscience is wearing on you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's a lot of men and women that they know that they, they need to have left the office an hour ago and go home. Mm-hmm. What's driving you to stay there in that moment? That's the question you need to ask. And then you go, what? and then you can honestly in that moment say, what am I not believing about God that's driving me to stay here? And, and then if you'll keep pressing, you might have to go three or four questions deep because not everybody's motive is the same in that. Right. Some people, it like, 
for the work thing, you ask about greed, but some people are going to be driven to stay at work because they want approval of man. Mm-hmm. They want to get this. They don't care about the money, but they want the status. They want the, the reputation. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to ask a few questions usually to get all the way down to the root. Mm-hmm. But if you'll answer them, mm-hmm. you'll get there. And so what am I believing? Well, I, I don't believe that it would be enough. Mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that God's, God's provision for me is better than this prosperity. I would like to have both, please. I would like for God to provide for me by giving me this prosperity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not, that, that's not the invitation. You know, Jesus, people are coming to follow him regularly, and he's going, are you sure? Because foxes have dens and birds have nests, and mm-hmm. I, I, don't have, I don't have a house. You come with me, we're going to be homeless. And he, he just throws that out. Like, and, and some people walk away like, oh, I, I didn't know. All right? And, and so... He pushes on that because his invitation is to something deeper. I, um, I don't know David says at one point, Lord, don't let me, I think it's a problem, so maybe it's Solomon in Proverbs, but don't let me become um, so poor that I'm tempted to steal mm-hmm. and therefore sin against you, but also don't let me become so prosperous and so rich that I forget about you. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the belief part. Like trusting that the Lord is is good, even if we don't get the life that that we want. Mm-hmm. That answer the greed one. Yeah. So maybe we need to get a little bit more practical about like when you're in the throes of that temptation, because this can sound nice to just explain it away, right? But then when you're really feeling that at the office, like yeah, but now I'm mm-hmm. on the hook for this mortgage, mm-hmm. right? Now I'm on the hook for this car payment. Or, yeah, but now my hormones are flowing mm-hmm. and it's difficult to shut that off and to walk away. And I've been battling this for years or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be pastoral enough to say, like, okay, we got to be honest that that's not easy. Yeah. And so I, I didn't spend much time there, you know, on the sermon, but, you know. You can't just fight that battle in the moments. You're going to have to, mm-hmm. outside of the moment, either either after you've failed or after you've kind of withstood mm-hmm. that temptation and the hormones and the intensity of the moment is, is shut down. You're going to have to fight with some sobriety and make plans to avoid those moments, mm-hmm. but also in the moments, having some, like, verses memorized, having some, mm-hmm. some yeah, so people how, that you call, you know. Yeah, so how does the gospel speak in... Speak into those moments. Well, uh, you know, Paul talks, Paul kind of names that kind of struggle in Romans 7. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty famous passage um, where Paul's talking about, I think we talked about it on here, maybe mm-hmm. in some other way. Um, but he, he talks about, you know, why do, I, why do I do what I hate? And why do I not do what I want to do, right? So he's just naming this. Like, what's, why do I struggle so much? He said, I don't understand my own actions in Romans seven fifteen. I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Um, and so he talks about like when I when I do when I do not when I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. And so he's saying it's the conscious thing. He's like, when I when I'm doing what I what I don't actually want to do, like he's talking about me from a who I really am in Jesus, mm-hmm. my, my actual self. When I'm sinning, like I a hundred percent agree the law, like Jesus was right. It wasn't worth it. 
mm-hmm. it it led me to disappointment. Um, and so, anyway, but he ends this struggle passage by saying, like, who will save me? Wretched man, verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but the flesh, with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So he's saying, what's the deliverance? It's Jesus. Like, it's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we we ended our sermon Sunday with verse that, I mean, he, he you know, he follows. You should read Romans 7 all the way through 8 because the way that we counter present temptation is with future promises and with future mm-hmm. glory, with, the, with the promise for something better, right? Mm-hmm. And so in Romans 8, he talks about that, that future glory, that mm-hmm. longing, that that's where we're headed. And then I think it gets really, really practical whenever he says in verse 32, I think, uh, yeah, uh, he who did not spare us from his own son, this is Romans eight thirty-two, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so... Like, that's the in-the-moment thing. Okay, Jesus, mm-hmm. like, remembering that he's died on the cross, that my father, like, part of it is that your, your father's not condemning you. He's not going to walk away from you because of this sin. But, man, like, there's something better being offered, and he will give you a way out. Like, he will provide for you, um, you know, a way out of that temptation. And it's going to require faith. Like, in that moment, it's going to be a faith in a future promise. And so that's where, that's what the Israelites were failing to do in Numbers 21 because they mm-hmm. couldn't see how the promised land was going to be good. They couldn't see how God was going to get them there. Um, but Hebrews 11 says the faith is assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And mm-hmm. so we have to have to have some Bible in our hearts. We have to have that hope in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to lean on our, our faith and say, I don't, I'm, and you can even say it, Lord, I'm struggling to believe that celibacy is better than indulging in this sexual act right now. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm struggling to see how it would be better for my family to live with less, quote, mm-hmm. less, than for me to just go ahead and earn this income so that we can have what we want. And you can name that struggle. And, and, you know, there's a lot of helpful, like, diffusion of tension to just say, like, the guy that told Jesus, like, I believe, mm-hmm. but help my unbelief, mm-hmm. right? That belief passed, like, I, I didn't get into this Sunday, but I think Peter walking on water is so illustrative for us in this. And we just think about that from this really cool miracle standpoint. In a sense, doesn't that actually sum up the invitation of God throughout the whole doggone Bible? Like, mm-hmm. keep your eyes on me, and life's going to be rich, mm-hmm. right? So Peter sees Jesus walking on water. His faith is firing, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's on all cylinders, and he's like, I'm in. He gets out of the boat, starts to walk on water, mm-hmm. right? And his eyes are on Jesus. He believes, and man, he's wa- he's actually walking on water. And then what happens? He starts to see the waves. Mm-hmm. Starts to sink. Starts to sink. So, I know that's still pretty spiritual. Maybe I didn't get as practical as I wanted. You can help me press in there, but well, I, I think I think it it's helpful to acknowledge like 
we need the gospel daily. Like it's yeah. not just a one time I got saved and now yeah. I don't need to to remember it, to actively remember yeah. it. Um I think there is there's benefit in knowing like like you said, in admitting that, okay, Lord, I have some unbelief here. Help me. Yeah. You know, um, now what's that going to look like? Like when you have a mortgage, I, I don't know specifically what that's going to look like in that moment. But as you turn to the gospel daily, right, the Lord is going to be faithful yeah. to to um, to provide. Yeah. Right. If if you are pursuing him, whether that means you need to move, whether that means you need to change jobs, whatever it is, right, he's going to be faithful to lead you. He's not just going to leave you out there. Yeah. Um, it, right. Some of these situations are hard. Yeah. You know, I may not have personal experience in it, but you know, I think I'm confident in saying like if if someone is really wrestling with that, yeah, yeah we'll sit and we'll walk with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I've had guys sit in my office and, and I've asked them guys, uh, you know, addicted to some, you know, sexual, like porn that led to, you know, stepping out on their wives and, 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 and sometimes that, that adultery conversation for that man or that woman, um, can be kind of laser focused on, well, on whether they're having sex in their marriage or not. Mm-hmm. And that has led them to this justification of, well, because that's not happening, which is mm-hmm. not okay. Like, there's a right. there's an issue going on there, right? But it doesn't permit, like, just because that's not happening doesn't give you permission to mm-hmm. be unfaithful. And so I've asked guys, like, do you believe that you could be happy without ever having, like, sex again, without ever having sexual pleasure again? And, like, the look on their face is like, that's the dumbest question I've ever asked. Right. But that's the kind of question. And okay, so we, we talk about porn a lot. Let's go back to the mortgage. Let's go back to the, the overwork. Let's ask the big question. What would repentance look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Well, you, you probably do know. You're just afraid to answer it. Mm-hmm. Because it might look like selling that house, downsizing, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to work so much. It might look like a different job altogether mm-hmm. and a downsize. okay, so that's bold. What makes you so afraid of that? Mm-hmm. That's the question you need to ask. Mm-hmm. What makes you so afraid of that? And then you start to answer those questions and you're going to get to the root. And sometimes at the root is actually a big old wound, mm-hmm. right? We're going to see this in John 4 when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, but oftentimes at the root is, is, a, is a really deep wound that is driving our life of sin. Well, what what is a what does the great physician do with a wound? He heals it. Yeah, so he's not like, well, suck it up. I don't care that you're hurt there. That's part of the reason he goes so directly there mm-hmm. with the woman at the well is because he wants to heal her. Uh, and if we don't let Jesus get down to the root of our heart, the Bible talks about the heart not as the blood pumper, but mm-hmm. as the life driver, right? As the thing that guides and and drives our decisions and our whatever and like if we don't let the lord into those spaces mm-hmm. then 
uh, you know, and a lot of times in that wound become habits and addictions mm-hmm. that are entangled and they're really hard to separate. Mm-hmm. Right. That was, that was true for me from being sexualized at a young age with, you know, and, and that led to an addiction to pornography that was really hard to separate because it wasn't merely a sin for me. It was tied to a wound in me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, I had to do both. I had to fight against that sin and seek healing for that wound. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of another, maybe this is a whole nother podcast, but, but just know that there's space in the Bible for that. And he wants to heal those wounds as well. And not just look at you like a frustrated coach waiting, waiting on this kid to figure out how to play the mm-hmm. sport. He's a good father that says, Hey, I know you won't know how to play, but we also need to go get you some medical attention, you know, right. and, and let's, let's work on what's, yeah. what's underneath there. I think it's important to realize, like what you said, it, it's going to, it's going to take time, right? The most of these things that we're dealing with when you're getting at the root is not a quick fix, but even looking at trying to seek out what the practical is, I think it's helpful to remember that the, the ultimate remedy is a spiritual one. Yeah. Right. And so just, addressing the issue like like we said earlier it's not just about avoiding sin it, it's pursuing holiness and again that's that's a walk that's not something that is um that happens overnight but yeah. you know we're sanctified over the course of our our life yeah uh and so something that you said is you went into to Romans 8 and Romans 7 like I think back to to Romans 6 oh. like a, as we look practically like how does this manifest it itself spiritually you know paul says in romans 6 he says knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin so paul is saying like we got to know this right right that this is what christ has died for us to do Right, we got to know that our old self of sin has been done away with. Yeah, uh, and then he he comes back in verse eleven and says, "Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin." So you got to know it. Yeah, and you got to consider yourself that. Right, it's yeah. it's tra- it's taking that knowledge and transforming that to your to your heart. Like, all right, God says it. Yeah. So I I'm I'm going to believe it because. Yeah. His word says it. And then he, he jumps down into uh, verse 13 and says, Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And so I think that's where we we kind of find a pattern, not to make a checklist or anything, right. but, but the daily repetition of, All right, I, I'm dead to sin. God, God has made this truth evident in my life, and so I'm going to believe it. And because of that, I can present myself to Him. Like it's not just avoiding sin, but it's turning and orienting my life towards Him, yeah. presenting my life to Him, right? And then you get into Romans 7, Romans 8, like now I can walk in the Spirit because I know that I'm dead to sin. I believe yeah. it. I'm presenting myself to the Lord, and I'm going to walk in Him. Is that this? That's 
that that's the same passage, and is that the same consider that Rob at Snowbird was yes. talking about is mm-hmm. actually reckon? Like, it's reckon, yeah. yeah. And, and and that's a helpful reckon is still a, a bit of a a vague term for me, but but it's it's this more active like application to mm-hmm. like let it change, you know, like mm-hmm. and and so you know, one of the questions that we were going to talk through is like believing the gospel oftentimes, like how does that, how is that, what is the mm-hmm. answer for this battle against sin for the believer, mm-hmm. right? Because one of Martin Luther's biggest like aha moments in the Reformation was realizing, oh, all of life is is one of sin. Right. Or as of, sorry, as of repenting. Like all mm-hmm. of the Christian life is a life of repentance, and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we don't pay penance, we don't re- just do it once. It is this continual relational mm-hmm. like thing. You know, First John is like, hey, like we confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive them. Like we don't pretend that we don't have sin. We we confess it, we and we let it be forgiven, and then we move on uh, accordingly. And so, you know, you ask the question, like the gospel can be reduced to this thing we just believe for our salvation, meaning our justification. Right. Um, so what does it mean to do it here? Well, uh, I think I've heard Keller say this, I don't know if it's original to him, but the gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity, mm-hmm. meaning it's not just where you start and then you move on to deeper things. The gospel is the A through Z mm-hmm. of Christianity, meaning... It is, it is the thing that we rely on. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you're talking to somebody about coming to faith, there's a belief aspect there, and there's a confessional aspect there mm-hmm. where we're saying, hey, you're trusting in something else or nothing else for your salvation. You need to take your trust and place it on Jesus. Be- take your belief out of moralism or hedonism or whatever it is and put it onto Jesus and you're, and there's a confession in that. And so, um, you know, we get that when we're Mm -hmm. talking about coming to be saved. Well, this gets zeroed in on our, our sin struggles. When we're, when we're struggling with a sin, what do we do? Come back to the gospel. And we remember we can't do this on our own. Mm-hmm. But our, our bodies, our life of sin has been crucified. So mm-hmm. we claim that. We state that. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm struggling with my old self. I'm struggling with my flesh. But I know it's been crucified. And so I'm going to place my belief in you. I don't feel it in this moment, but I trust that your way is better. Right. Even if you don't believe it in that moment, it right. doesn't nullify that truth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to choose to believe you. I'm going to choose to trust you. Um, you know, and that can feel really scary. You know, if your trust in Jesus isn't big, you know, like mm-hmm. there's 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 experts. There, you know, if you think about trust, it's a weird thing. If you got a spat, like there's times whenever my wife will give me a hard time because I will be very confident that I, about something, and I'm really wrong. Like. This Saturday, she was talking about like what year our oldest was going to graduate, and I was like, "Well, she'll finish." I, I was just confused and in allergy fog, but I was but I was so confident in my allergy fog because I was like, "Well, she'll, <laughs> she'll finish sixth grade in, in summer of twenty four. And Riley was just like, 
no, she's in, or uh, I think I said she'll finish seventh. Anyway, but I, but she was like, you're so confident, and yet you were so wrong. And I, and I, I get that way a lot. <laughs> and and there's times whenever I really am convinced that, like that I'm right, but where I have to just trust her, and that and there's there's a little bit of vulnerability in that because I'm like, uh, you know, we just have to trust her. Well, mm-hmm. you're gonna feel some of that when you're choosing to trust Jesus in these moments. Right when you're when you're when you're saying, I mean, I, you know, this is not as extreme because I didn't have a mortgage and I didn't have there what the stakes weren't as high practically. But whenever I chose um, to pursue ministry instead of I, the advice I was given, the path I was going to take was go get you a degree you can make money with. And then go to seminary, then you know, then pursue ministry. But that way, you're not ever relying upon the church or whatever. Um, well, that's real faithless advice. I mean, it was. Yeah. It, yeah, I appreciate the heart of the guy who told me, but honestly, that was saying, take matters into your own hands, mm-hmm. have and, a backup plan. Yeah, and then you're not as dependent on God and His mm-hmm. people who can hurt you. Well. I did that for a year, and I felt miserable. I was like, this is not what the Lord's called me to. I don't want to be a physical therapist. I know I can make more money. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to go. I'm going to do ministry. I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that call. Well, there's was, there was a lot of voices in my life that were like, this is a bad idea. Like, mm-hmm. And one of them was like, uh, I know what our youth pastor makes, and it's, like, not a lot of money. You can't support. And I was literally told, you can't support a family on that. And just by a, a believer. In my family. And I was like, hmm. That took faith mm-hmm. to say, yeah, but I believe this is... Because she wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. As a youth pastor, I was going to make like 35000 a year mm-hmm. at best. You know, as a physical therapist, I, I was going to make eighty to ninety or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the numbers were back then. Um, so there, that's an objective truth of like... You're going to make less if you do this, and it, but it was choosing because conventional wisdom of the world says mm-hmm. obviously eighty to ninety grand is better. The Bible says no. It's Follow not. me. Follow me. That's where you'll find your life. Mm-hmm. That and so it's it's going to feel and that felt vulnerable. That mm-hmm. felt exposing, mm-hmm. right? The same way that it feels like if you've ever gone repelling or something where you had to step off of solid ground and put your trust into a rope or a parachute or something like that, it's really unnatural. Mm-hmm. And you have to really like put your faith into that rope. And it's one thing when you're standing vertically on the ground, but when you start to go over that edge and you fully put your trust into that, that rope, that's a different, and that harness, mm-hmm. right? You do it every day when you sit in a chair, right? You don't think a lot about it. You just assume that chair is going to hold you, but you're actually putting your faith in that chair, mm-hmm. Well, that it's going to be those kinds of like vulnerable decisions to say, okay, like I'm struggling with this and I struggled with this for years and I'm still mm-hmm. struggling with this, but I'm going to trust that Jesus is my savior and I'm going to go to him. And so mm-hmm. if you'll let it, that's practical. If you'll let it be, that's practical. Right. But mm-hmm. you got to want to, like you have to actually be right. fighting your sin. If you're just tolerating it. You'll never get there. Yeah. So, to land the plane. So we, how does this affect the church corporately, like our body here at the journey? And I know we always want to remind ourselves 
whenever we come in for worship, that we are flawed and imperfect people. We're not here because we have it together. We're not, uh, you know, Jesus didn't choose us because we are superstars. Right. But he, he loves us. He pursues us despite our sin. And so, like, that's a helpful yeah. um, reminder for us as we enter worship that, you know, we desperately need the gospel. But Jesus doesn't intend to just leave us there. So how, as a church, um, do, do we pursue this, this holiness together? Yeah. Um, so I immediately went to Hebrews. There's, there's two passages in Hebrews that, um, and, and I'm only finding one of them. Um, so I'm going to Google the other, but, um, this is great content right here while you're Googling. You can hear the keys clicking. <laughs> okay. So Hebrews three, the Google is helpful in the Bible study. So most definitely <laughs> it can expedite your flipping. Uh, and I use it often without shame. So you, not all of the sites that the Google will pull up is helpful, but like just then I was looking for, I knew I wanted a passage. Uh, this is all for free. I knew there's a passage about making sure that we cared for each other so that we didn't have unbelieving hearts. So I just typed Hebrews unbelieving heart and I got it. Hebrews through 12. So that's how I use the Google. I don't ask the Google what, what passages the Bible mean. And I don't always call it the Google. I'm just, being funny with my dad jokes, but anyway, so Hebrews three twelve says, "Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God." But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So helpful and so corporate. And so part of this is like, can't do this alone, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, you know, there's practices of writing three things we're helpful for, thankful for, and I think there is value to that. But part of this you got to do corporately with other people mm-hmm. because your perspective can be so diminished and tainted by your own struggle and your own sin mm-hmm. that you don't see things clearly. Right. And so... That's part of what Hebrews is saying. And then over in chapter 10, it, it's going to say similar things like uh, 1023, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So that's the gospel. Like, let's remember who's faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so that's just saying like, show up to church because you need each other. You, mm-hmm. Don't don't think that you're good. Don't, and so, man, there is that collective aspect that's there, and I think that tells us a few things. Is one, our church attendance is not just about us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so often when we're weighing out whether we're going to come to Sunday service or to community group or youth group, or whatever, even kids, whether I'm going to go back to kids or like. Mm-hmm. Um, too often we're thinking, well, I, you know, you're weighing out whether you're going to miss out or whether I need to go, whatever. Well, if you choose not to show up, you're not just robbing yourself; you're robbing the other people because mm-hmm. your presence is a part of their collective pursuit of holiness, right? Right. And and so having that in mind and knowing that I mean, we're not meant to just do this on our own, and that's part of what you know we joked about different churches having different tolerances for sins, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of churches that don't have 
really any value of transparency and confession. And that leads to a bunch of people feeling like they can't be honest about their struggles. Mm -hmm. And so we have all these plastic, what would Jesus would call whitewashed tombs. Right. We put, we put together this nice image, but inside it's a mess. Mm -hmm. Jesus saying, that's not what I want. I want what's inside. And, and so that matters just from a church standpoint. Don't mm -hmm. tolerate a church. Don't tolerate your church just becoming fake and whitewashed. Mm -hmm. Meaning, we all we care about is the appearance. We want to mm -hmm. be a ch if you if you're in a space, a group, a church that will only go surface deep and no one is talking about real struggles. That those people are not going to stir up your own holiness. Like you might still be called there, but you might need to get that kind of depth from somewhere else. But, mm -hmm. You know, like because you got to figure that out. And and so, absolutely, there is um, you know collective responsibility to guarding each other's hearts so that we don't have unbelief and hardness of heart that leads to to sin so that means we need to have people that we can t that we can talk to when we're struggling mm -hmm. because in those in the throes of those struggles our own voice may not be enough mm -hmm. so when you're talking about battling against a substance abuse mm -hmm. or por porn addiction you need to have some people you can call and say i'm struggling mm-hmm I just need to talk. I can't even tell you the depths of it right now, but like, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm I'm on my way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, thank you. Like, I've told guys before struggling with substance abuse, like, find out they struggled. Like, I wish you would have called me then. In that moment, I'd have been there. Mm -hmm. Well, it was late. I don't care. Man, Call I would me. rather lose yep. sleep and show up for you or I'll walk away from a whole lot of things for the sake of my brothers, my sisters, holy, like, if mm -hmm. I can help. And so we need to have people that will do that kind of stuff for us. And we need to be that kind of people for one mm -hmm. another. Uh, so this believing and unbelief is a collective. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic we didn't talk about with Numbers 21. Mm -hmm. Those people were punished as a, as a people. As a group, yeah. Right? And, and that, that carries all the way through the New Testament. There is a collective sense to this. Yeah, there are individuals that get dropped, mm -hmm. you know, in an ice and sapphire, like they don't. They don't let the whole, ch the whole church doesn't get punished for them, but the whole church is warned mm -hmm. as a result, right? So, man, that's another story we probably could have talked about too. <laughs> I didn't even think about that one. It just kind of came up, but that's this, that was the greed thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know this is good to give, but man, it, I think I would be happier if I held on to just a little, a little bit. bit more yep. and God straight up killed them, mm -hmm. right? And so there is a collective, so belief and unbelief happens corporately with the church. Mm -hmm. that's a big principle. Um, so you need to have people you can talk to and you have people that will talk to you, mm -hmm. people that will call you out. Mm -hmm. Hey, I think you're letting the pursuit of greed or the pursuit. I, I feel like work is taking a, a more of a priority in your life than it should is what, what's, what's going on in your heart mm -hmm. there, right? That we ask those kinds of questions to mm -hmm. one another. So people we can talk to people that will talk to us. Um, and then I, you put like, we believe God sees our junk, like he knows our junk, and, and but he still wants us to come to him. Like, mm -hmm. we need to know that when we come in here, but we also need to be willing to say that to each other. Like, hey, you ain't fooling God. Stop trying to fool me, mm -hmm. and let's 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 fight this thing together. Yep. Let's let's fight unbelief together. All right, that's my uh, – thanks for giving me another opportunity to rant. <laughs> I did 55 minutes Sunday morning. I did 55 minutes there. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. What else, man? What was that? You know, like, 
like you just said, let's pull one another along. Like this is, it's a individual battle, but we are meant to, to live together. And, you know, we, we want to hold one another up. Yeah. And so, and sometimes so. sin, man, sometimes sin is not speaking up to your brothers and sisters about mm-hmm. your struggle. Yeah. But that's going to take faith. Yeah. Right. Because, mm-hmm. well, if I tell them, they're going to look at me differently. They're Might get think, upset. Whatever. Like you, that's a choice between belief and unbelief. Jesus mm-hmm. has said it's better to live in the light. It's better to to confess your sins one to another so that the Lord can forgive you. And mm-hmm. and not that he can't forgive you without that, but but he can heal you. Like First John mm-hmm. has this collective. Don't pretend you're not a sinner. Read First John. Don't pretend you're not a sinner. You are. Confess that sin, but also confess it to one another, right? Mm-hmm. To not do that. So you got to think about why do I not want to do that? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have to face that answer. And so you might and you might not need to do that on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you the mic anyway, but if you come ask for it, you're not going to, you know, collectively repent right there, you know, of some, but you might not even want to do that in front of your whole group, but you might ask your group leader mm-hmm. if they could meet with you afterward or go to lunch or somebody in your group and say, Hey, I need to be honest. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can you join this fight with me? There's a lot of power to that. And so, but that's a belief, unbelief issue because we believe we're safer happier mm-hmm. not being known and not confessing that because with that confession will come humility mm-hmm. humiliation sounds negative humility sounds positive mm-hmm. they're often the same thing right it's just which side of it you're on in that moment and so sometimes we need humiliation so that we can have humility and fight sin rightly so yeah. all right thanks Thanks for uh, diving deep, and I hope, I mean, you guys can, you don't do this a lot, but we do get emails, so if you want to, you know, ask us to address something specifically, (laughs) why do I put the, maybe that's what you should have asked me, Jordan, why do you put the Reese's cup in your mouth, bro, so often, (laughs) because that's where the struggle is real for me sometimes, so So let us know. Our emails are on our website, thejourneysi.org. Yeah, thanks for listening.